Now, last Sunday, we did start to look at a series that when I was speaking, uh, one Peter, I'm not going to speak so long this morning because there's, there's, there's so many other great things going on, so I'm not going to speak uh, as long. And uh, this is a map. So, um, yeah, there's a map. So, um, Helen put a map on. So, this is a day of maps. I've got a great story about maps from America. I'll mention it next time. But anyway, this is a map. And so, Peter's letter, 1 Peter in the New Testament, Peter writes to the Christians um, that are in a place called Asia Minor. So, if you can see, I hope you can see Jerusalem down in the kind of bottom right hand corner. You're right with that? I hope you can see that far. But if you go up and round the arrows, certainly that direction, you get to a place called Asia Minor. And that's where Peter is writing to these believers there. Now, just so you know, this is about 62 AD. 62 AD. Now, I know a teacher in a school wanted the students in reception class to know the difference between BC and AD. So the teacher asked uh, one of the students, says, can you tell me what BC means? And they said, before Christ. So they thought really well. Then, then he said, can anybody tell me what AD means? And they said, after dinosaurs. <laughs> Which is true, anyway. So, but it's not 62 years after dinosaurs, but uh, it's quite a lot after um, dinosaurs. So this is a letter that Peter writes, 62 AD, not after dinosaurs, don't get too confused. And so uh, I'm going to read just the first two verses of 1 Peter chapter 1. Lost my place. The verses might come up on the screen uh, as well. So, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, talking to these people, exiles, scattered throughout the province of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Grace and peace be yours in abundance. Now, this is a very important letter. And I do like, I do like the specific places in the New Testament that they're writing to real places and to real people. And these have been people who have been scattered because of persecution, they were in towns and cities that weren't home. They weren't the place that they were brought up. They weren't even the place that they kind of preferred to be. And Peter writes this um, letter to the ch- churches there. The church is about 30 years old. And he's saying, this is incredible word of encouragement. Now, last week I did an introduction to this, so you can see that online. But I'm just going to move this forward a little bit this week. And, and Peter is saying... You're believers, you're new believers, you're in a place that you don't really see as home. And he wanted to encourage them to be steadfast in their new place, uh, even though they were suffering persecution. Even though where they were, they felt a little bit like strangers. And, and he keeps repeating, he's saying, but you're chosen by God. You are chosen by God. You might feel a stranger where you are, but you are chosen by God. You're special. You have been elected by him. And he really wanted them to feel at home in what mattered in belonging to Christ. He wanted them to feel at home. And last week we mentioned a verse from John chapter 14 where where Jesus says, If anyone loves me, Jesus says, my Father will love them and we will come and make our home with them. It's a nice thought, isn't it, where God considers home? That's a nice thought, isn't it? 
that God considers home to be within my life because I stumble a bit with it, but I love him. And he has come and made his home within me. And he's saying that you might feel a little bit away from home, but something more important has happened. God has made his home in you. That's amazing, isn't it? Amazing he's made his home in you. And he's saying that even though you're away from home, and some of them are about 800 miles away, he's saying that you can feel at home in Christ, and it's a place, he goes on to say, which we looked at last week, it's a place where your faith can grow, not wane. It's a place, because of the faith challenges, that you're likely to grow. But another thing then that Peter goes on to say, it's a place where you can feel blessed. Now, because of the persecution that you're going through or the challenges that you're going through where you, where you are, you need to understand you can feel at home, you can grow, and it's a place where God will bring incredible blessing. You can feel at times a little bit uneasy in a place, but still need God's blessing. That's why Peter prays, doesn't he? He says, um, grace and peace in abundance for you where you are. And uh, what does he say? Just read a couple of verses from verse 3. He says this. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ and into an inheritance that can never spoil or fade. So he says you might feel a little bit unsettled where you are, You can feel at home, your your faith can grow, but this is a place where God is going to bless you. Now, I don't know whether you're in a new place, whether you've lived in the same place for decades, but where you are is the place where God wants to bless you. Now, this verse, verse 3, 1 verse 3, where he says, Praise be to the God of Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he goes on to say, in his great mercy. Now, there's another book in the Bible that has a verse 1, chapter 1, verse 3, there's a few of them, where it's the Apostle Paul starting with the same thing. So Peter says, praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, in Ephesians 1, verse 3, also starts that, particular passage saying praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ and he goes on to say who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ and this is in essence what Paul and Peter is wanting to say to new believers that God has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ and he says you might feel like strangers in the world every Christian feels a little bit like a stranger in this world but we have something that other people don't have. And, and Paul is saying, and Peter is saying, that God has blessed us in the heavenly realms, that God has opened up this whole dimension of our spiritual lives, of knowing him, that people who don't know Christ do not have. It's a whole new life in him. Now, when I was a, a younger Christian, this verse, when I was about 16, which was a while ago, Everybody was using this verse. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realm with every spiritual blessing in Christ. The reason being is because there was just a great illustration 
going around that backed this up that just about every preacher used. And even if their theme wasn't this, they'd get this illustration into it somehow. Preachers, you think that they don't do that. No, other preachers do that. And it's a story, an illustration of a very rich man over in America. And he was so wealthy. And he had so many mansions. He had his own ranch, private estate. Had his own yacht, he had his own plane, had his own fleet of cars. And he had a beautiful wife. The only thing that he didn't have that he really wanted was a child, was a son. Nothing wrong with daughters, but wanted a son. Now, after a while, as they were getting older, his wife, he didn't think it was going to happen until his wife gets pregnant and gives birth to a son. Now, unfortunately, his wife dies in childbirth. But he's loved his son, and he was going to bring him up the best that he could. And for 18 years, he did that until his son was going off to university. And he was so distraught by his son going off to university that he wanted to remember him. He didn't just want a photo of him. He got an artist in because he could pay a, a very expensive artist to come and do a portrait of his son. So the artist did a portrait, and to be fair, it wasn't a brilliant likeness, but he still put it up in pride of place on the, above the fire, where most of you got TVs probably, but anyway, above the fire, just to remind him of his son when his son went off to university. His son goes off to university, but has a car accident after two years, and he dies. When news gets back to the father, his will to live, and within a few months, he just deteriorated and passed from this world. And it left everything, all these worldly goods that this man had. He had so much, but nobody to inherit it. So what happened is, is the local authorities decided to put in an auction for all these goods, and they were worth a lot. And on the day of the auction, a lot of people came, certainly rich people, to see what pickings that they could have. And the first item on sale was this portrait of this man's son. He says, who will give me $50 for this, expecting it to go up? Nobody was interested. He came all the way down to $5, and nobody wanted this portrait. But sitting in the corner was the butler, yes, the butler, from the house where all these goods had come from. And he says, being as I helped the boy grow up, I'll, I'll buy this portrait for $5. And then the auctioneer, to everybody's surprise, says, that's the end of the auction. And then he reads out this note. It was the father's wish that whoever had the son had everything. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing. And Peter is saying, you might be scattered but you have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. You're at home in God. Your faith will grow. And it's a place where God will bless you. I promise you that's his God's heart. The, when God made Adam and Eve, the, he went on and says, and then God blessed them. It's as if God can't help himself when we're open to him to pour out his blessing. But the third and final thing, and touch on this brief, briefly, Peter is saying all these things 
but you need to know that you are scattered, but it's a place where you can make a difference. It's a place where you can make a difference. And he goes on to uh, talk about this. Now, like I said, some of them, uh, on the, when it goes back to the map, some of them, are, you know, they're hundreds of miles away from home. But it, you might not be away from home, but where you are is a place where the Bible says we can make a difference. Now, how many people, how many of you have moved to Birmingham in the last 10 years? Probably in the last 10 years. Okay, quite a few, quite a few, probably a little bit um, half and half. When we moved here, somebody says, you know, people don't so much move to Birmingham, they just end up there. <laughs> now, I'm not too sure quite what they're saying about it, but they said they just, you, somehow you just end up there, you know. Um, I don't know if it's anybody's gone a bucket list, but um, not too sure, but, but people will often just end up there. Now, I'm glad that we've ended up here, don't get me wrong, we like Birmingham. But let me say this, I, like I say, I just, I think it's wonderful when, you know, in these, these letters that are sent out by the apostles to people, I mean, these are real places. And, and I think Peter is saying to them, you didn't think you were going to end up there, but I want you to know, but for God, these places are on the map. You know, they're on the map. I mean, I'm really glad that Helen put the, the map up. Um, because places and people are on God's map, aren't they? They're on his heart. I mean... They're on the map. And, and, you know, let's say these people that they engage with, with, say, families, I'm sure those families thought, we're not on God's radar. But they were. And there's many other families that are on God's radar. And um, these places were on God's radar. Now, it's a great verse in the Bible. Isn't it? Um, now, one of the fam- most fam- favorite verses in the Bible, is, isn't it? So, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son. Now, that's kind of, traditionally, church history, the favorite verse, because God so loves that he sends. God so loves he places, different nations, cities, streets, workplaces, families, hobbies. One of the other, fa- the famous favorite verse from the Old Testament, though, is Jeremiah 29, verse 11. This is Christian's favorite verse in the Old Testament. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Familiar? Plans to prosper and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Christians love that verse. It's a great verse, isn't it? And it's been quoted many times. And I love the connection between the Old Testament and the New Testament. I just love the connection when you seize them. Because... That was part of a prophecy of God's people being scattered. They were in exile. They were in Babylon. And God is saying, I know the plans that I have for you. Like Peter was saying when he wrote to those who had been um, uh, you know, scattered. So that was 600 years BC. So God's message is still the same. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. And in Babylon, Babylon was known as a place of renown for debauchery. Now, I'm not going to compare that to Birmingham or anything like that, but Babylon was renowned for that, a place of debauchery. But Babylon goes back to the Tower of Babel in Genesis. When people were scattered, 
And Babel, Babylon, basically means, it means confused. That's what it means. Babylon, it doesn't mean debauchery, it means confused. People do all kinds of things when they're confused. And we are probably scattered throughout a world that at best is confused. Somebody once says this, Human culture is an extremely complex mixture of brilliant truth, marred half-truths, and overly resistant to the truth. So we live in a confused world. I don't think anybody would deny that. And I think that's one of the things that's been so pertinent about the Queen passing away. Because many people were saying she's always been there. She's been like a rock for us. People want things that are consistent, that are steady, that helps them to feel secure. And she was great for that. And that's why God's word is so important, isn't it? That's why standing on the truth is Jesus is so important because we lived in, in such a confused world. Some things are true, some things are half true, some things are totally opposed to the truth. But we live in a scattered and a confused world. And Jeremiah, when he says, I know, you know, prophesies, I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, he's saying, You are scattered, but God is in control. And then he goes on to say this this is the point that I'm getting to as we draw towards the end. And and Jeremiah in the prophecy, what God says, says, to those in Babylon scattered, said, seek the peace and prosperity of the city which I have sent you, where I have carried you. Seek the prosperity and the well-being of that city. Pray to the Lord for it. Now we're going to do 10 days of doing that. For 10 days, we are going to do that. We're going to pray for the life and mission of our church and for our city and for our area. And, And... And God tells us to do that because all kinds of things can happen when we pray. The prayer of of righteous people is powerful and effective and God does wonderful things. Therefore, our 10 days of prayer is not just a little bit of a program in the history of Encounter Church. It's so important that we come together for that because God has called us to be placed here but also to make a difference. So I encourage you to engage with it. As Graham Cray, the theologian, says this, the Christian community, as the Christian community, we are to seek the welfare of the city, even though we may be treated as foreigners. We have an additional dimension. Christian discipleship is not about self-interest, it's about looking out for the interest of others. So Peter is saying, you feel scattered, you don't feel at home, God will make his home with you. You're going in faith. God will bless you, but you're also placed in order to make a difference. God has got something for us. As individuals, as as small groups, as a, a, a church of community, God has got something for us. Now, there's far more about this that I could have said this morning. I kind of planned to say this morning. I'll play it on another time. But I hope that you get that sense that we're placed to make a difference. And God will lead us and show us with that. Now, let me finish with this story, it's a true story. That uh, it's one church that Wendy and I belong to, and we did a 40 days of prayer. Now, I'm not suggesting that can only cope with 10 days of prayer here. I'm not suggesting that at all. You just go with what you feel that God is doing, what God wants to do. So we had 10, 40 days of prayer. Prayed for different things, and it was a great time. We'd done 24-7 a couple of times, 
weeks, and we had 40 days of prayer. And, and on a, about week 30, um, there was good turnouts to most of them, and then there's one of them when there was just three of us. So it turned out to be a prayer triplet, to be honest. So it was in the prayer room at the church. It used to be called I, the Ikea room because they had all Ikea furniture. Then we turned it into the prayer room. And uh, Wendy and myself and, and the person leading this prayer hour were there on our own. And I felt a bit bad because he'd set up so much material for other people to read. And there was just me, him, and Wendy. Now, it just transpired that the third person was incredibly significant. He was a guy called Phil Togwell, who worked for 24-7, but was also the national leader for prayer spaces in school. I don't know if you've heard of it. So it's where he set aside a classroom in a school for a week. Every class goes through this prayer space. Christians come in, talk about prayer. Then there's all these different stations where they can go and pray. So I said to Phil, let's pray about, put a session on to pray about prayer spaces. Is it just me, him and Wendy? But this is what happened. Wendy and him started to talk about the possibility of prayer spaces in the school that Wendy taught at. And Wendy had a good relationship with the head, has a good relationship with anybody in school really, but good relationship with the head. The head's not a Christian. The head was all for it. So Phil and a team of youth workers, Christian youth workers, went into this school, set up this room as a prayer room, and during that week, every child in that school went to hear about prayer and engaged in prayer, even though they weren't Christians, and many of them came back at lunchtime and wanted to continue, or lunch, you know, break time and wanted to continue. The school loved it and wanted to do it every year. It was amazing. The first time it happened was the week of the Manchester bombing, uh, you know, with the, when the concert was on, and they, the kids just wanted to pray. And this, went, this was going on for years. The school loved it. And the school then opened up because what they wanted was um, somebody else, another Christian youth leader went in, and all these Christian businessmen went, were going in once a month to mentor young people. It just opened the door. And uh, I'll tell you some time of how it followed on, because then there was an initiative of Christian young people in the, the area going on mission to Mexico to build houses. And a number of young people from the school wanted to go. So some of these young people, 15 and 16-year-olds, were going on mission before they became Christians. In fact, they went on mission and became Christians because they were joining with YWAM. And YWAM, they don't let you go home unless you become a Christian. <laughs> that sort of thing. And some of them, it, it was incredibly genuine. My point is this. My point is this. And I can't promise in any, anything in the 10 days of prayer... But when we come together to pray, God shows us who is on his radar. He shows us what is important to him, and he moves us, doesn't he? He says, doesn't he, I will, he said, I'll take your, your heart of stone, doesn't he, and put in you a heart of flesh and move you to do what is important for me. And it's not just about breaking laws. It's about making a difference. So I encourage you, as the information is out there about 10, uh, 10 days of prayer, please do, 
it will be a little bit of a sacrifice. Sometimes we have one night of prayer a month and you think, oh, okay, I'll do one. Why don't you do a few? Why don't you do a few? Why don't you look at those things that we're praying for and think, yeah, I'm involved in that, or I'd love to get involved in prayer and learn how to pray. Please, please join in. If you're new to the church, please don't feel any pressure to do anything. Absolutely none. But you're very welcome to join in. But I'm going to invite the band up. We'll draw close uh, there. He seems to listen very well. And, um, and then we'll pray, and the band will lead us in one last song. But this information about... Ten days of prayer will come out to you, and uh, please engage as you feel uh, that you like to do that. So let's stand together, I'll pray, and then the band will lead us in one song to conclude our time together this morning. Maybe you want to close your eyes for a moment. You don't always have to close your eyes to pray, I know, but maybe you want to close your eyes for a moment. And uh, maybe within your own heart, you don't have to say it out loud, say, Lord, what does this mean for me? For some of you, it's, you've been here for a long time, and you, that's your prayer, what does it mean for me? For some of you, you might feel as if a little bit in a strange place, and your prayer is simply, Lord, help me to feel at home in you here where I'm living now. Maybe that's your prayer. And for some of you who, if you'd like to make, encounter your spiritual home, that would be a wonderful thing. You'd be very welcome to join us here. And uh, we know you'd be a blessing to us and we'd love to bless you. But for those of you saying, Lord, what is it you'd like me to do to make a difference? Why don't you bring that to him uh, just over these next few seconds?